A while back, I began the practice of meditation. Usually I sit quietly in the morning, find a word or a thought that I repeat to get centered, and then let it go from there. I usually set a timer for 10 to 15 minutes just in case I fall asleep. On my days off, I don't set the timer, and I allow myself to sit thoughtful and quiet for as long as the spirit moves me. Sometimes the meditation can last quite a while. One morning last week on my day off, I, I was a bit fitful. It took some time to settle in as I tried to meditate. And at one point, I began repeating the word healing, healing over and over. For me, it is a critical theme in many ways, in our own personal lives, in our community, in our church, and beyond. And it is often in my heart. Within just a few seconds, an image began to emerge in my mind. Sometimes it's hard, like in a dream where you're thinking of something and then you try to think more about it and it just flitters away. For some reason I was able to stay with this image. And what came out of it is something very much like the picture on the front of today's bulletin. If you would take a look at that. To tell the truth, that neither the vision or the picture when I thought about it or finally drew it, didn't really look much like healing to me. There were no people, there were no fields of colorful flowers, no bright blue skies, anything of the sort. It was somber, but strangely not sad. I couldn't quite get it. So I wrote my friend San in California. She has a knack for seeing things seeing into and beyond things. I sent her the sketched image that I had done on my tablet, having no idea what it is she might see. And when she responded a day or so later, it was amazing how I could clearly see what she was saying from the heart place inside. Part of what she said was this. Imagine flying to the site of the cross with no jagged journey and dismantling the wood of the cross for a small house to welcome fellow travelers. Imagine flying to the site of the cross with no jagged journey and dismantling the wood of the cross for a small house to welcome fellow travelers. Travelers who perhaps did not know they could fly over all those cliffs and valleys. You will teach them. She goes on. We are not here to suffer, but many have suffered at their own hands and at the hands of others. But it was not in creation's plan. To learn that all is well is one thing. To have the faith that it is true is another. 
to welcome unbelievers and ragged faith to the cross another. But to have a house of faith built from the wood of the cross and all the scars and such having transformed suffering into grace, now that is a life well lived. As she often does, sand makes me think. This time she made me think about what the cross is to us as Christians, and for those who might not be of the Christian tradition or faith, but honor Jesus as a rabbi, a prophet, or a spiritual leader, the cross for them too can have meaning. If we think of Jesus and all that hung with him on the cross on that day of his execution, and if we were somehow able to create a welcoming home from that, all the suffering of the world would surely be healed by entering into such a place. All the suffering of the world would be transformed by embracing the teachings of the one who was crucified because of God's love for him, his love for God, and their love for others. Any home that might be built on such things would be a powerful, healing place. And I believe that we live in such a place of a home built by this kind of grace. It's just that we always don't remember it. We get caught up in fear and worry and disappointment, forgetting, as other friends of mine remind me, quote, that we have nothing to worry about. If we just realize how present God and soul is in our lives. I sometimes think that I worry about not having something to worry about. When there's nothing around to concern me, it's as if I go out and seek something to trouble me instead of just enjoying the peace. It's taken time, but I'm getting better at letting go. <laughs> letting go, right? This morning's first hymn, Spirit Divine, Attend Our Prayers, written by Andrew Reed in 1787, invites the Spirit to reveal our emptiness and woe. It's one of the first lines. Reveal our emptiness and our woe. Not to be overwhelmed, but to see how powerless emptiness and woe really are when the light of God shines upon them. They go poof. In so many ways, the fear of looking intentionally at what it is that has us spinning in more frightening and painful ways is more fearful and frightening than the actual things themselves. We humans can get so fearful at times. But we also have the potential for great faith and great courage. And we know that from one another and from many examples in our lives. And as my friend San suggested, sometimes we just forget what we know so deeply in our hearts and in our souls. That we can fly over all of those cliffs and valleys making a house and a home everywhere we go out of the cross that broke the veil 
once and for all. My friends, it's real. Yet the reality of God's presence is a contradiction in itself. God is beyond real, if you think about it. So even the language that we use limits and confines our thinking and turns us back as we get to the wall, as if it were lined by barbed wire where our thinking can go no further. Yet there really is no wall if we are willing to let the winds flow from a place where meaning, that is, our ability to make sense of God, is not a requirement. In a society that seeks passionately meaning, the thought of meaning not being required takes a little getting used to. What is required, though, is a faith, if even an unbelieving or ragged faith, to make this work. I know it sounds strange, but they're just words. They're limited. They go just so far. Simply, the presence of God turns everything around far beyond what we understand or have the capacity to understand. God turns everything up side, down, sideways, beyond anything we have the ability to understand. Think about it. God's best explanation to us of who God is for our limited ability to grasp such a thing was simply to say to Moses when he said, what is your name? God said, I am. I wonder if God chuckled as such a silly question or premise that humans thought God had a name. It's humbling to acknowledge such things and it is hard to be vulnerable to such great unknowns. It is no surprise that many hold so fast and tightly to the literal interpretations of the Bible to avoid the submission of oneself to the great unknown. Perhaps as good a name for God as any other. It may be hard to grasp and even considered heretical by some, but I believe that God is even beyond God's inspired word. We need words. God, well, God doesn't need anything in any way that we understand. Isaiah conveys this, this conveys this, Cynthia read this morning, he conveys his frustration with those around him who keep missing just how far beyond God really is. Have you not been paying attention? Have you not been listening? Haven't you heard these stories all your darn life? Don't you understand the foundation of all things? God sits as high above the earth. He looks down, she looks down on this round ball of earth. The people look like little itty bitty ants. God stretches out the skies like a canvas. Yes, like a tent canvas under which we live. Don't you get how big, beyond, far, great God is? Later he tells us that God doesn't lay back, doesn't come and go. 
God lasts, he says with emphasis. God lasts. What a beautiful God. Everlasting God. God lasts. Doesn't come and go. Haven't we been paying attention? We have such a hard time learning these things. Now more than 10 years ago when Matthew Shepard was killed, I thought finally people would come to understand the senseless bullying and the torment and the violence the people who were gay experienced day in and day out. I thought, how could anyone not be moved by the compassion of this tragic event? And still the violence continues. Not too long after that, I thought, how could anyone ever fire upon an unarmed person mistaking a wallet for a gun with the death of Amadou Diallo? And yet this last week, in someone's home on 228th Street in the Bronx, teenager who was trying to ditch a stash of marijuana somehow got himself shot and killed by an officer who thought he had a gun. Haven't we learned? Weren't we paying attention the first time or the time before that? Seems sometimes we're not so good at this attention stuff. But I shouldn't be too hard on others knowing how dense I can be at times how anxious and worried, how judgmental, how careless. I forget. I get all excited and I forget. I get caught up in things, feverish even. In the many ways in which I take comfort in the New Testament, one of them is realizing that even the disciples didn't always get it and they were right there with Jesus. In Matthew this morning, they all arrive at the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law is ill. Read between the lines. They were all excited and upset. Jesus, she's sick. Oh my God, it's my baby. Anybody here from a family or a heritage or a background where there's a little bit of drama involved in your lives or your homes and excitement? Can you imagine walking into a family setting and everybody talking at once? That's what was going on. Simply, so simply, so calmly, the text reveals the healing grace of Jesus. Quote, he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up and the fever left her and she began to serve them. My friends, our fever has been lifted and we have been called to carry the good news to others in the ways we know that God lasts. We have been saved from ourselves and our thinking, and our limitations, once we allow ourselves to be lifted up and the fever taken away and our service to others continued. This table that we will share today is the symbol. It is the image of God in this room and world through the reflection of Jesus and his life among us. This is the hand of God as good as it gets. In the one bread, in the one body, we though many. The house of faith that transforms suffering to grace, a life that takes the wood of the cross and builds a welcoming for all, truly these things are part of a life worth living, a life worth the journey to get there. And it begins again this morning 
at this table. Amen.